This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. I'm Liz Gill with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, ASE certified. Hey, Allison. Hey. And we're changing it up a little bit. We got Jay White who's doing the board for us. Uh, we best wishes go out to Michelle's mom who's uh, um, getting fixed in the hospital. Anyway, uh, we've got some leftovers and odds and ends to talk about today between your vehicle repair questions and your calls. And we never talked about, we never put the conclusion on the Tupelo Automobile Museum sale. Yeah. You had gone up there and looked at all of the interesting things. And uh, one of the uh, pieces from the news that we never got to was uh, April 29th, the Mississippi Car Museum's four-wheeled stock was auctioned off for $8.6 million, with $1.8 million of that for one of the 52 Tucker automobiles ever made. The Tupelo Automobile Museum's signs and other automobilia brought in $428,000 a day earlier. Designer Preston Tucker's grandsons, Mike and Sean Tucker, were present as Tucker number 1028 was gaveled down and uh, Preston Tucker had hoped to challenge the big three automakers with his designs. But I guess since we've never heard of him, <laughs> he, he didn't do a very good you job. You haven't heard of him. I haven't. I haven't <laughs> heard of him. Number yeah. 1028 went to uh, someone representing the main classic car museum. Ten other cars brought six figures. They included Allison's favorite, the 1934 Dusenberg Model G. J. Prince of Wales Berlin for $405,000 and a 1930 Hispano-Suza H6B Coupe Chauffeur for $300,000. The Tupelo's museum's owner, Jane Spain, had said she'll use the auction proceeds to pay off the balance of $3.2 million loan from the city, which is used to build the museum and to start an education foundation. She also plans to sell the building. Uh, you know, we've uh, heard about some people that were doing investments, uh, car investments that bought some cars. So they were buy they bought some of the cars from the the sale for around twenty grand and instantly cleaned them up and had them for sale for sixty, seventy thousand dollars. So it would have been a great investment if you had about. Twenty grand to right. spend on a on a vehicle or so, and there was yeah. there was quite a few of them that were flipping flipping cars from that that right. auction and instantly selling them for more than double what they they paid at that auction. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. Jay, are you a car museum kind of guy? Uh, I I don't have anything against it. <laughs> uh, it's not something I seek out, but of course I've gone to you know they have uh, car shows during the state fair and things like that. And yeah, that's always, the trademark. Yeah, mm-hmm. re- really interesting to see. Yeah. I was just going to chime in and uh, tell you two that I um, between Dallas and Jackson a couple of weekends ago I uh, drove past a uh, trailer behind a truck that was carrying the AMC DeLorean. Oh, nice! In it. I don't know how rare that is or is not, 
Right. I, I, my dad watches that American Pickers show, right. and those guys seem to flip out whenever they're around a DeLorean. So I right. don't know. They had one at the museum that sold. Right. And so there was a DeLorean there at, at the well, and, Museum. And now don't quote me on this, and don't tell anybody I said this, but I think <laughs> they made a ton of parts for the DeLorean. So while there may not be some assembled ones you can buy, I think you can buy all the parts and assemble it yourself or well, you know, pay somebody I'm to do it. I'm not sure, but I know there is a guy that has a warehouse slap full of parts, so that may be yeah. what you're talking about. All right. If you want a DeLorean, and his name is Marty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to Kay, who's called in from Madison. Good morning, Kay. We're so glad you've called in to AutoCorrect. Go ahead. Thank you guys for existing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you for existing. Uh, I'm driving, so hopefully I won't go out. And I, to make a long story short, I have a, um, a 2011 Kia Sorento. It is a push-to-start vehicle with a little key transmitter that just has to be inside the vehicle. And I, I had a big problem with it yesterday and wanted to get your advice on whether or not I need to take it in to be read something. Because it allowed me to drive the vehicle twice from my house to the gas station and from the gas station all the way to my hometown to Hazelhurst without the key being present at all. And then once I got ready to leave, I realized I had no key. And I was wondering, how is that possible? And two, should I take it in to be, you know, like reconfigured or something? Well, let me ask this. It sounds like you lost your key in the car. Mm-mm. No, absolutely I've not. I've done that before. I've cranked it up before and driven it and then taken the key out and left it in like somebody's house or something like that while it was still running. I've done that before, like a babysitter's house. But in this case, I had to have a friend drive back to Madison to pick up my key out of my house. Okay, so you definitely didn't have it in the I car. I definitely did not. I saw I got it back was I had a friend that was already up in the area. She went by my house and then brought it back. I wonder if that's just something that's happening with with your car particularly. That's definitely not widespread, but I I haven't heard of that. I didn't see it at all anywhere in any little form or anything like that, but I'd assume that should not be possible. I would contact a, a keysmith, like the the fellow that we had on a couple weeks ago, Wade. Uh, what was Wade's last name? But he was with ABC, with ABC. Uh, Lock and ABC key. Lock and Key, and he may have some information of why it would be doing that without the key in there because he because he deals with keys, he deals with the ignition system okay. a little bit too, so he understands how that those work, and he works with those type of key fobs. Um, okay. that I've come to find out on the show. Other than that, I've never heard of that happening, and so yeah, I'm my thinking that's... didn't believe me, and I was like, no, the key's not here. You know, it's just, it was kind of crazy, but um, I will contact them, and just to all the listeners, don't just assume that you've got your key in your purse or your pocket, because I did that, and I was stranded. Oh, <laughs> and don't, uh, my, my boyfriend did this one day. He left the key, it was in the Mazda 6 that they have, a little four-door sedan. He left the key in the car, and he came to me and said, do you have the key? I just locked the car. I said, no. <laughs> and it oh, locked wow. the key fob in the car, and we ended up having to call a locksmith to open it the door. Either is it. It's not supposed to do that. So I guess there wow. are some weird things that wow. they do occasionally that this... But, you know, it is electronic system. So, and it's got a lot going on. 
Thank you very much for calling. Thanks, Kay. Okay, as a person who doesn't have one of these remote entry business, I can't understand what's the deal with people not keeping up with their car keys. Well, and because it's easier to do when it's not clinking and clanking, and it's just a little plastic thingy. Right. But I I guess it would behoove owners to pretend like you need the key because i know that's what yeah. my my mom has left the key car running uh well it's an electric and uh i don't know i, I uh, i'm sure this is something that that completely takes adjusting to you've you've driven with a key for so long and then to not it takes a long time to adjust to not having a key and then when you don't have the key sometimes you forget and don't take the fob with you Right. Yeah, which I'm hearing a lot of people do, too. I don't know. All right. I don't know. We've got to get used to it, I guess. <laughs> okay. Let's go ahead, and uh, we'll take Lori from Jackson. Lori, thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect today. We're glad you called. Go ahead. Hey. Um, yes, I had a check engine light come on. It's a 2008 Chevy Impala, and uh, I took it to an auto parts place, and they said that uh, it's a P0449 code, and they said that I need a new solenoid. Does that sound right? That does sound right. But what they need to do, you may need the solenoid, but it may just be disconnected. That's something that a lot of mechanic shops or the auto parts store, when they say, hey, this car needs... Uh, this is what it's basically just telling you that sensor is having a signal problem of some sort. Okay, that's on your EVAP emission system, and I just use my my um, app on my phone called Auto Codes that I love to look that up. So, what happens on your evaporative emission control system? There's a couple of solenoids that can act up on there, and sometimes it's just damaged or disconnected because a lot of times it's right up under your car by your fuel tank. So, what the process would be is to check that out visually first and don't just assume you have to replace a solenoid. And then the other thing is you have to sit there and do the electrical diagnostics to make sure the wiring is okay. And then, if all that checks out, then you know your solenoid itself has acted up and there's a way you can do it with the computer to activate your solenoid and it'll tell whether it's activating or not and that's with the high-end diagnostic computer so this is a situation where instead of just going and replacing the solenoid it's worth taking it to a place that can do good diagnostics and make sure that's what's actually going on you don't want to just go and replace it and spend 150 200 whatever that solenoid costs mm-hmm. and then that not fix the check engine light so okay so that I hope that helps. I know it's a little confusing. Okay. Well, good. I mean, that's that's good to know that uh, it might not be as involved. Okay. Yes. Yes. You may get lucky and it's just disconnected or, you know, it's it's gotten bumped down there or something. Maybe a chipmunk has chewed into the <laughs> wire, which is a pretty frequent occurrence in uh-huh. Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So maybe you'll get lucky. Is it dangerous to drive it? Not it, not at all, not at all. The thing it will do though, if it's if it's stuck in the closed position, if the solenoid has it closed, it's not letting the vapors. Your evaporative system lets out vapors from your fuel tank, and it'll make your fuel tank swell, which can be a problem, obviously. But if it's stuck open, then it's just it's it's constantly letting it letting it out, which is not a bad thing but so that's that's what you're dealing with there that's all that system does is let out vapors from the fuel tank okay 
Great. That helps a lot. Thank you. You're very welcome. Well, what I have learned from hosting this show with you, Allison, is that diagnosing your problem is extremely important because you may have a light, a buzzer, or a something that tells you there's a problem and there might be a problem or there might be a problem with the problem teller. There might be a problem with the sensor that says there's a problem. Yes. And uh, if they just start higgledy-piggledy replacing things, they may replace three things before they get to what the actual problem is. So you have to make sure you find someone who tests to know that this is an actual problem and not just replace whatever the sensor tells you. And sometimes you run into when you tell someone it's going to be $105 to diagnose this and that's an hour's time. They're like, I don't want that to do that. So you kind of you kind of run into a conundrum with that. But if everyone can understand, we've got to diagnose a little bit stop replacing stuff so yeah that's exactly how it is all right well we appreciate lisa calling in if uh, you want to call in this is a whatever you want kind of day and uh, we're just taking your odds and end questions uh we've got some odds and end facts we're going to take our first break and if you have a problem with your vehicle please do let allison steer you in the correct direction our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 1-877-672-7464. You could also send us an email, auto at mpbonline.org. Is your car under recall? We're going to have a list of ones that are when we come back. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to AutoCorrect with Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic. I'm Liz Gill. Now, if you can't listen to our whole show all the way through live, please find our podcast. It's looking extra snazzy now. We've got a new podcasting platform, and uh, it's super duper looking. So go check that out and subscribe while you're there. We can uh, we appreciate that. Here are some of the recalls for the week. 2019 Honda CRV has a steering wheel problem. 2006 to 2015 Honda and Acura vehicles have an airbag problem. 2010 to 16 Porsche 
Panamera, 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 has an air conditioner problem. 2011 to 2013, Mazda 6, sold to the north and to the east of Mississippi, has a problem when it's exposed to road salt. Uh, The 2014 and 15 Jaguar F-Type has a problem with the seatbelt. So you can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration's website. NHTSA.gov slash recalls and put in your VIN number. We're talking about anything you want to talk about today. We've got some statistics. We've got a little of this, a little of that. We've got a lot of calls coming in. Let's go to Lisa from Strayhorn. Lisa, thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect today. Go ahead. Well, thank you for taking my call. So first thing, I'm just tickled to death that you're using my little poem for your commercial. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had remembered that from Valentine's Day, yes, and we yep. put it on uh, on social media and uh, had it going the last couple of days. Thanks. I'm, I'm just tickled to death. You have no idea. But um, I call, and I've seen a DeLorean in person in California, and I lived out there for a while. They're pretty cars. Uh huh. Yep. Now I hear about brakes. Now, I called before about um, my ABS lines just hanging down by the you know, electrical lines hanging down by the road because they were disconnected. But um, my, I didn't go to a diagnostic center, but my power booster went out because when I pressed the pedal, it goes, shh, and I had no brakes. Okay. So I'm replacing it today. I don't have the factory tool, so I'm going to have to go by the two pieces of hose over the, um, the studs and pry bar method to get it disconnected from the firewall. Yeah. That's right. It's a 2001 Buick Century, by the way. Okay. Um, uh, it's, it's a little heavy and a bit awkward. I'm not too worried about the old one coming out, but I'm a bit worried about getting the new one in. But first of all, facing the facing the steering wheel from the front of the car, I make it. I, I turn left with the top bar, right? I don't know. I've never replaced one myself. I've never had to. That's a rare repair to have to do to some degree. So uh, most brake power boosters don't go out. It's just it's, it's kind of fairly rare. But when they do, um, I know they've got a little bit of adjustment on them. You can make so. Are you talking about doing this yourself? Yep. Okay. Well, give it a try if it works. But it is your brake system, which is not a system that you want to not get right. So you uh, no, might. That's why I don't normally do it. That's why I don't normally do it. My, my pads were replaced the other day, but this happened right before I got the pads put on. Before I start, right. the man said that it could be because of really worn back um, back brakes. Well, when your ba- your booster goes out, it boosts your pedal feel so that yeah. you're, it's easy to push. So was it super hard to push? No. It just nope, goes, that's it not goes, what's happened then. You're replacing goes. the wrong thing. I highly recommend going back and getting that diagnosed. Brake boosters. I can't drive it. I can't drive it. Then you need to tow it um, because the brake booster, when it goes out, your pedal gets super hard because there's nothing helping it boost it anymore. So it's all you doing all the hydraulic pushing it, on it. It stays, it stays solid. Okay, when the car's turned off, it stays solid. But okay. When the car on, it go, you can hear it. it goes, it's it's going to the, the to the floor. That's your master okay. cylinder or something else oh, has gone out. No. 
Okay. Yeah, which is uh, which is still something you'd want to do in a shop because you have to. It's just not. It's a pain in the rear a little little bit because you have to brake bleed a master cylinder to get it in the car, or you have to bleed it really well on the car. So you have to be real comfortable with bleeding the the brake fluid out of your car. So that could be what it is, or it could be a leak in your system. It's, is it losing fluid at all? Then it's probably your brake master cylinder. Okay. Not your brake okay. booster. Okay, that's fine. It's, it's still in the box because. Um, but you, it, okay, but you can hear it go whoosh. So it's it's probably the master cylinder. But I, I don't lose any fluid. The fluid's still there. That's I'm right. Not fluid at all. That's right, and it's not stopping. It's, it's the diaphragm in the, in the master cylinder. Then. Um. Yeah, well, the seal's in there. Okay. There's a diaphragm in the brake booster, but not in the brake master cylinder. Okay. There's seal. There's seals and springs, and, and that's how the, those okay. work. Okay. This is why I call. There you go. <laughs> well, I hope you can find a trusted mechanic that you can trust to get these these fixed for you, because this, this I wouldn't highly recommend that for someone that's not me- mechanically well, the, the, booster, the booster would be easier than because I like a trusted mess. Oh, my goodness, there's something in here. I'm, I, don't, I don't mess with the brake. I don't mess with the brake system usually. Good. See, this the booster doesn't require me messing with the brake lines itself or the fluid, the fluid part. Uh, that, that's correct. In my pasture right now. I have no idea where it came from. <laughs> yeah, I would recommend going get that checked back out. Make sure you're replacing the right thing because you're I'll, chasing I'll, your I'll tail there. Okay. Not, I, I can't drop the car. But thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. You have a wonderful job. Thank you. We try. <laughs> Thanks, thank Lisa. We appreciate it. Uh, we are talking about this and that and whatever interests you today. We would love for you to send us an email, auto at mpbonline.org, or you could give us a call. Our number is 1-877-672-7464. And here we're going to go to Pansy. Thanks for calling in from Jackson to Autocorrect. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, hi. Um, I was calling. My husband and I have purchased a car a couple of months ago. It's a 2017 Chrysler 200. And a couple of days ago, the car wouldn't start up. And we thought that was kind of odd. It's a fairly new car. Nothing seems to be wrong with it. So um, we used our other car to jump it, and then it went ahead and started up. But the uh, check engine light came on, and the electronic throttle light came on. So we drove it immediately to the dealership. Um, They did a diagnostic. They thought it was the battery, but then they found out it wasn't the battery because they kept it overnight. And so um, they said they, they, I guess they hooked it up and did another diagnostic. They couldn't find anything wrong with it. So we took it back home. And so the very next morning, again, the car didn't start up. So we didn't even bother jumping it. We just took it to, we just had it towed back to the dealership. And then they said they couldn't find anything wrong with it. They're still trying to find out what's wrong with it. So... I'll tell you my thoughts on that. You said uh, you found it odd that a 2017 Chrysler 200 would have these types of problems. But you didn't know is that Chrysler has the worst electrical problems out of any car manufacturer ever in the history of cars. So they, I mean, they're literally like sometimes you cannot figure out what's going on. I have a Dodge van. I know. And it'll have the most bizarre thing happen. And it'll be intermittent. Sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Some things I've just had to give up on making work on that vehicle but mine's older yours is newer you would think it wouldn't have problems that soon but you're talking about chrysler here which is a company who is notorious for electrical problems 
uh, them and Chevy, I pretty much highly recommend people stay away from. Um, so they just don't do a good job. So, look, I have no idea what's going on with your car. It sounds like a computer problem. Uh, the computers tend to go bad on Chrysler's and Dodge like a lot, and they'll cause a myriad of weird problems. So that's that's my only guess, but hopefully they can get to it and find it. And they should, the dealership, considering that they're a, a Chrysler dealership, should be well aware of the different problems they're having. Did you buy this car used or new? It was used. So I got a feeling maybe something's happened to that one. It's been in a wreck. Was it a salvage title or? No, it wasn't. Okay. And then it's some, maybe just something has happened to it that was never reported. But I, I've got a feeling maybe also, in addition to it just having being a Chrysler, something has happened that has set that system off, whether someone polarized the system, like hook up the battery cables backwards or or uh, ran it through water or something like that. So, uh, But but in, but in you got a couple of areas that, that you could look at, and hopefully they can figure it out for you. I have no idea. Um, besides the computer issue to have all those different things happening. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, thanks for calling in, Pansy. We're going to go ahead and uh, take our next break. We're taking your car repair questions, whatever strikes your fancy. We've got some statistics we can get into. Uh, What... Is an unreliable car not to buy? We've got uh, one of those that we'll talk about. We're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, is our expert. I'm Liz Gill, and we hope that you've downloaded downloaded our app for your smartphone. That's not mine and Allison's personal app. We let Jay use it, too. It's the MPB Public Media app that you can get all of our local shows and even some uh, kid stuff on the TV, from the TV. Consumer Reports has a list of 108 2007 to 16 models that have a record of much worse than average overall reliability based on subscriber responses to their annual survey. Today, we're going to caution you about the 2012 or 2013 Kia Sportage. Their problem is that engine uh, stopped working while driving. And but I think that's Pretty the serious. only Kia that, that uh, Consumer Reports has listed. But please consider reading up on the reliability of this car before purchasing it as a used car, suggests Consumer Reports. Carcomplaints.com is another resource for unreliable car lists. 
But if you're interested in reviews of new cars, Casey Williams is the automotive correspondent for WFYI, a public radio station in Indianapolis, and he's reviewed cars and covered the auto industry for 25 years. His review this week, it's off-roading with the Jeep Gladiator. Gladiator, the new Jeep truck. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ram Rebel, Ram Power Wagon, and the Jeep Renegade. And we'll have a link to that on our website and on our podcast. Wow, we are are popular today, Allison. (laughs) We've got a full uh, slate of calls, so let's go ahead and go to Edwin, who's in Bay St. Louis. Edwin, thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, I have a couple of annoying problems with my 1997 Ford cargo van. Um, on my instrument panel, can you hear me okay? I, I can a little bit. Keep, keep going. Oh, yeah. On my instrument panel, the um, door open indicator light keeps coming on, and I close all the doors, even the side door in a cargo van, but the light stays on. Yeah, I had that happen on my van, my Dodge van. Uh, what it what it ended up being on my van? Now I don't know if your system is set up this way, but the door sensors read the computer reads the door sensors and tells tells it like to light up the light on it or you know whether it's closed or not. And um, so when that acted up in my car, I would have had to replace the computer. But instead, what I did was disconnected it. Um, <laughs> Because I, I'm not replacing the computer on that car. Because being a Dodge van, I have an old Dodge van um, that was given to me. I, I wish to, I, sometimes I regret that. But uh, because I have so many problems in general with that car, I was just like, I'm not risking messing up more stuff on it. But right. on that car, that could be running through your computer or it could be, have you fooled with the sensor just to make sure it's working maybe move it a little bit or or work clean it up or anything like that where would you find a sensor at it's it's in the it's a little button on the door it's a little button and when it closes it just pushes it closed it's a real simple on off switch that um that works on on the car to to let it know that the door is still open but one of yours is not working somewhere or so, or something's going on so i'm i'm not real sure you would have to kind of know how that system works and if it goes through your computer before it goes to the dash that's basically the question that i'd want to know more than likely it does and so it could be your computer's having an issue I hate to say that, but that's some of the little niggly problems that American cars will have that that make them real frustrating sometimes. And you're having to replace a computer because your door won't show it's closed. It's kind of ridiculous. But um, so that's some of the things you deal with. And yours is older. It's a, a lot older car. So it's it, you're lucky you've only had that minor problem. Oh, my 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 check in, my check um, engine light um, has been on for years now. I was living in Northern California, and you know you had to get smog tested there. So I bought the van there, and um, when I bought it, I had to replace the catalytic converter and a fuel pump and some other stuff to try to get the check engine light to go off because it, it won't pass smog. So after bringing it to a different shop, I don't know what that guy did, but he got the check engine light to go away. But a month later, the light came back on. And he said, um, well, bring it to a different shop. But now it's up in Mississippi. They don't really care about the check engine light, uh, you know, check your vehicle these days. 
So um, I tell you, know, you what I would do if I were you is go go to O'Reilly's and have them check out the lighter and auto parts store. Have them write down your list of of codes that have popped up on your check engine light. Then send me an email. And I can might help you work with that, but but uh, it could be it could be causing your car to run rich and you don't know it, and it's messing up your catalytic converter again or something like that. You just I like to kind of eliminate a check engine light if possible. Some of them doesn't particularly mean your car is running bad, but they can uh, be causing some other stuff to go on. Some of them are, are literally they don't mean a whole lot. Some of them do. Okay, wait, an email autocorrect. Just auto. Auto at mpbonline.org. Thank you, Edwin. We appreciate you calling in. And, and Allison is really great to uh, respond to emails. If anybody else wants to send something, auto at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Gary, who we hope is driving very safely on the road to Baton Rouge. Gary, you're on autocorrect. Go ahead. Yes, my wife's got a 208 Nissan Maxima. It just turned over 148,000 miles. I've had no trouble out of it at all. Uh, just put a radiator, radiator in it about six months ago, and that was it. But all of a sudden last week she was driving it at a low speed, and it started hesitating real hard or vibrating, and then it would quit and go ahead. Uh, it did it a couple of times that one day. I got in it the next day and drove it, and it wouldn't do it. And then finally, I did get it to do it. Uh, but now, when she's uh, when you even turn it on, it's sitting there vibrating real hard. You can accelerate, and it'll get smooth, but you can't drive it at any speed now without it vibrating. I wonder if maybe you have a transmission or an engine mount that's messed up on it. It can cause problems like that. But um, but other than that, I'd have to look at it myself and do a real good check on it. I, I, I don't know if your transmission's acting up or, you know, you, um, I would be curious to, on, on uh, most vehicles, the upper engine mount is the one that, that goes bad. They're really, really easy to replace. Um, so I would look at that, and if it, inside of that bushing is broken, then and you know that that could be it also if you can put a pry bar in somewhere and move that engine real easy by hand then you know that's a a, an engine mount somewhere which can cause it to do weird stuff like that yeah but without looking at it further i'm not real sure well let me let me uh, say this also uh the engine light finally came on uh after it was doing that uh, real vibration constantly, and I went by AutoZone, and they put it on their computer, and it showed a spark plug or either engine ignition coil. Does that sound right? Yeah. So you've got – it sounds like you have a cylinder misfire then. What you need to do, uh, more than likely when you have a misfire, it's going to cause vibration in, in the, those things you're mentioning. So that makes a lot of sense with that. Um, you want to do your go ahead and do your spark plugs. I'm guessing maybe they're past due, and they're stopped igniting, so it's causing a misfire. And usually that'll happen in one cylinder. It's not like they all happen at one time. And right. that car has ignition coil on each cylinder. Right. So either it's the spark plug or it's the ignition coil. One way to tell if it's an ignition coil is to switch it with another cylinder and see if it moves the misfire moves to another cylinder then you know it's ignition coil but just pull a spark plug and look, have a look at it do you know what cylinder it was 
I think they said number one. Then check that out in, uh, at, at your number one cylinder. Do you understand what I'm saying about switching the ignition coil out? I do, I do. Okay, would you give that a try? That you know, uh, that's probably your problem. So okay, I sure appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Yes, indeed, you're welcome. And we just spent six hundred dollars to have my van done to that because it was shaking and shimmying at the movie theater parking lot when my daughter had it up in Oxford. So and it was spark plugs that needed. No, no, it was the ignition coil. And, and the ignition coil had, yeah, had yeah. messed up. Yeah, yeah, it's usually one or the other spark plug yeah. or ignition coil. All right, let's go to Homer. We're Homer. We're so glad that you have called in from Lyon. Uh, you're hey, on hey. autocorrect. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing? Uh, enjoying the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Got a question, uh, Allison, about a GM six point six point two liter engine. The problem is, uh, so I got a couple hundred thousand miles on. Um, when I crank it up, the oil pressure is good. As it sits there and running, the oil heats up. The oil pressure actually drops. Now the it drops to the point to where the I call it the idiot sensor starts to bing, 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 bing. Oh, really? But if I let it sit there and run, the now I'm thinking I'm not a mechanic, but I'm thinking if an engine does not get oil pressure, you let it run for. 10 minutes or so that it just start rattling shouldn't it shouldn't you get head no. rattle or something in there no not particular but it could be imminent engine failure I'll, I'll i'll be serious about that you need to take it to a shop and have the pressure oil pressure checked all they do is yep. they take out the oil pressure sensor and they put an oil pressure tester on there and screw it in and check to uh-huh. see if you're actually using losing pressure or if just that uh-huh. sensor's acted up those sensors tend to act up they they're under a, a pressure <laughs> so they um they do act up often but um and they leak often that's if any one has an oil leak on their engine that's a that's one of the main places it leaks but they need to check and see if you're actually losing pressure um i think those engines as far as i know have a tendency to lose pressure and it's that's where you're having something serious more serious is going on with your engine somewhere it's engines the uh there's no the fuel pump doesn't call i mean the oil pump doesn't cause oil pressure it's the bearing tolerances in the engine so you've lost your tolerance somewhere in your engine which means some serious stuff has happened um for it to have gone as long as it had is is uh a little bit remarkable but you that's you probably have something more serious going but that's the process to eliminate and make sure that that you're actually losing oil pressure and it's not just a sensor if you're lucky it's just a sensor and you do actually have the oil pressure you need for your car well, for anybody who had one of those engines, um, I, I want to tell—I—I I, I spent nine hundred dollars replacing the oil pump, and after I talked to another mechanic, he said I, I've never seen that engine oil pump causes pressure. Usually, that's not the case. I've never seen any engine. It writes a bearing problem. I've never seen any engine where the oil pump was the cause of a pressure problem. That's That's not how cars work. Yeah, so whoever did that, I'm sorry that they did that to you, but they didn't know what they were doing because the oil pump, like I said, it pumps it, but it doesn't Uh create pressure. That pressure is within the engine. It's, It's the tolerances of the engine. It's how it's built. Yeah, so... You're okay. headed in the right direction, but you may have something more serious going on with your engine. 
Well, I'm 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 into this truck enough to where I I mean with the cost on GMs SUVs now the way they are, I mean I've put another engine in it. The truck is really immaculate. It's just you know I'm having engine bro. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you it may be it may be time for another engine, but but that's the process of looking at it. So good luck with that. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling in, Homer. Yeah, it uh it's much cheaper to take care of your car and to yes. repair it than buy a new 20, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 dollars. Yeah, one. they're so expensive these days. All right. So, we're t- taking uh talking about whatever you want to talk about. And when we come back from the break, we're also taking your repair questions. So, Barry and Dorothy, hang on. Our number is 1877 MPB ring. That's 1877 672-7464. You can send us an email to auto at mpbonline.org. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. is kind of like that hairstyle you had in high school. Really cool back in the day. But that old car is still cool when you donate it to MPB Think Radio. Go to mpbonline.org for details. Then sit back and enjoy the ride. Now that's cool. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to AutoCorrect. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash autocorrect. And now, now you can listen to us on YouTube. Yay. You can go to YouTube and you can find AutoCorrect. And the reason we changed our... (laughs) The reason we changed out our music is YouTube did not like that we played Mustang Sally. So we had to get a different song uh, that uh, wasn't quite as well known. But uh, it's still kind of jamming, relaxed and jamming for our show. You're listening to AutoCorrect. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, who is ASE certified. And uh, we've got uh, Barry, Elizabeth, and Dorothy. And so let's go ahead and go to Dorothy. Dorothy, thank you so much for holding. Uh, welcome to AutoCorrect. You're on the air. Thank you. I have a question about uh, flushing your transmission and your radiator. I heard people talking about it. I have never done that. And I don't even, is it necessary? Is it something that's required after a certain amount of time or what? That's a good question. I was actually talking about that uh, a couple days ago. Um, on your radiator, yes, you do want to run a flush on in that. And you, you typically you do that to your uh, coolant system about every hundred thousand miles. So it can go a long time as long as it's refreshed and good and clean. Okay, um, well, my car has one hundred and twenty thousand on it. It's a Buick Lucerne. Yeah. Okay. So it probably would be time for that. 
um, past due a little bit. So what you do is you drain the coolant out of the radiator, you put the flush in, fill it up with water, you drive it for a few days, then you take it out, run some water in it while it while it's okay. on with your heater on because it circulates through your heater system, which is your okay. cooling system. But listen, on your on your transmission flush that you're talking about, you do not do that on a car unless the fluid has been changed regularly because what you're doing is you're taking when you do a full flush it takes all the clean the contaminants out which if it's never been done that's holding your transmission together and then it'll start slipping if you do a flush so you don't do a flush on your transmission unless it's been regularly maintained you just do a drain and fill and i highly recommend replacing the filter even though i've heard mechanics say that not do that i do not say that. I highly recommend okay. replacing the filter at the same time. So you only drain it out and fill it up. You don't run a flush on a transmission. Okay. Safe or not well, to. I'm so glad to know that. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, we're glad okay. you called in, Dorothy. Thank you. Now we're going to go to Barry, who's calling from Union. Barry, go ahead. Well, I'm in Decatur now. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. I live in Tennessee. I guess you have to be a liberal to play Mustang Sally. Uh, I mean, play, you know, that, anyway, I like Mustang Sally. I was going to ask about the Lemon Law. Uh, I heard uh, Pansy call a while ago. Uh, does Mississippi right. have like a Lemon Law like they do in Tennessee, I guess? Yes, they do. I used to sell cars, and they do, but she bought hers used. Oh, and I, I, and this is the thing. A lot of times, when you buy a car used, which I do not like this policy, but if you buy it from a say a small dealership, if you yeah. if you haggle with the price at all, they instantly drop any kind of warranty, and you have oh. no coverage. Wow. So that well, that I, price I, that you pay is covering that. Right, I appreciate that. I, while I was calling, I just had to think. My 2016 Dodge, I carried it. It is in the shop now. Didn't even think of that when I called about the limo, but it started missing. And then once I once I put it up into like you know just driving 45, 50, 55, and then you it starts missing. I was on the interstate around Jackson, Mississippi, on the interstate. You get up to about 70, 75 in the higher gears it didn't miss does that ring a bell yes send me a bell and i'm gonna call you back when i get it see if, if you gave me the shaft that's funny um yeah so that's you probably just your spark plugs are due um on that so you need to know your interval of when your spark plugs are due more than likely let me tell you that let me explain this a lot because we've we've had this question on today when you don't change your spark plugs it makes your ignition coil work harder Okay. to make the spark happen and it will make the ignition coil go out so everyone make sure you know your interval for your spark plugs it varies fairly greatly between cars my right. aunt who bought a 2015 or something Toyota Tacoma hers are recommended every 30,000 miles some of them are 120,000 miles I don't know any that are more than that but it varies in between that that time period and you want to make sure you do them on time Regardless of how they look, do them on do them on time. Regardless of what a mechanic says, some people just pull it and look at it. But so that's probably what you had go on. Mine was used that. too, so it, you know I'm in the hands of the guy that works on it. What I'd like to do is get off so you can take another call. Once I get my bill, maybe you could tell me if I, as I said, if I 
because I, buying it news, I didn't know about the plugs, if they've been changed or anything. So, yeah. anyway, I totally enjoy the show. Let me get off the Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Barry. We appreciate you calling in. Let's go take our last call and go to Elizabeth in Flowood. Uh, Elizabeth, we're so glad you called in. Go ahead. Yes, uh, I heard you talking to one of your callers about, and they had a Chrysler with a glitchy. You thought it was an electronic problem. Well, I will tell you about my husband bought a GMC Sierra 2016 uh, several weeks ago, and we brought it home. It was used, and right off the bat, we'd go out there, it wouldn't start. Nothing, no sound. And But the next time you went out, it might start. So uh, immediately he took it to the the repair man, and they actually changed the battery, put a new battery in. But it did it again, and so he started reading the handbook front to back to see what you know glitchy thing it might be. The keys to the newer vehicles are so specific and so security-oriented that on the page about keys, it says, do not change the jump rings. The key is connected to uh, the remote entry fob. There are two jump rings when it comes from the factory. If you hang anything, any other key, on the jump ring that's connected to the key, it can interfere with starting. Wow, that's a great tip. I've never heard of that. So thanks so much for calling in about that. He had hung his house key. Hopefully, I think her name was Lisa, so listening. Elizabeth, yeah. Well, no, the the lady that called before, hopefully she's still listening and and has heard that. It's at least something to look at because I've never heard that before. So he had a house key on He had had a house key on another jump ring. Okay. And he had hung it directly on the small jump ring that's in the key itself. And it said, do not hang anything on that small jump ring. It's in the handbook under keys. It has not. We took the So I'm guessing you took the jump ring off and now it's fine. And it's not having that problem. Both sets of keys, but he didn't have a house key on the other set. So when he'd pick up the spare set, it would start. I love that. That's when this is one of my favorite calls here. um, So read your owner's manual. Yeah, well. That, that we talk about so much. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate it. Yeah, I think we're going to change our tagline, autocorrect. Read your owner's manual. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to wrap us up for today for autocorrect. Thank you, Jay White. Thank you, Java Chapman, for helping us out. For Allison Walker, who you can follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as The Lady Auto Mechanic. I'm Liz Gill. Up next is our Thursday Southern Remedy Show, Kids and Teens, with Dr. Morgan McLeod. But we hope you'll join us next Thursday at 10 a.m. for AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio, on YouTube, on podcast, everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.